and welcome to That Tech Pod, where we discuss all things e-discovery, data privacy, cybersecurity, and tech innovations. I'm Laura Milstein, and I know a little bit about technology. And I'm Gabby Schulte, and honestly, I don't know that much about technology, but I am here to learn. That's why each week we're talking to heavy hitters in the industry to help us break down these topics. Today, Gabby, who are we talking to? Today, we're talking to Jenny Lee. Jenny has over 14 years of experience in law and regulation. With a molecular biology background, she started her career practicing intellectual property litigation in NYC, then leaned into her love of tech, specializing in e-discovery and privacy. For the last three years, Jenny has been based in Munich, Germany, where she works as a senior manager at EY, helping global organizations comply with GDPR, not just on paper, but also in practice. Jenny, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks very much for having me. Great speaking with you guys. Absolutely. So first of all, we ask this to everybody, tell us your journey into tech. Um, You know, we, we noted at the top, you know, you have a background in molecular biology. How did that, how did you go from that to, um, you know, GDPR? (laughs) <laughs> I think it's a that's a good question. Sometimes it's hard to explain. I like to think of um, the basic sciences like molecular bio as also a type of technology, um, or at least leaning in that direction of um, basic science. Um, I, to be honest, when I started um, at university, I went to school um, in Canada, and I had no idea where this would lead and thought that was really interest, a really interesting topic. And when I came out of law school, it was a natural fit to go into intellectual property patent litigation, spent a lot of time doing um, pharma litigation, and um, then realized uh, this was the this was a point in time where I think e-discovery law was really becoming um, an industry and a practice in itself. And so I think I I kind of when you say leaned into that's that's really true because I felt like this was something that um, I, this was really interesting to me this this combination of law um, you know legal requirements and the tech that supports that and at that time how was e-discovery Discovery, not just um, not just a, a technology, but also um, a legal practice and a, and a legal, um, let's say, could not just not just a technology, but also could be um, an offensive strategy in, in legal proceedings. And so it was this transition to technology seemed really easy. And at that time, now it's it's um, completely normal to have these large cross border engagements for e discovery, and in that time, privacy was becoming a, a really big topic. And so naturally, I took on that um, privacy council role. And so this is kind of the the combination of privacy technology, which is really what I'm specializing in now. And for my personal reasons, had an opportunity at that time to um, move over to Germany, and I thought wow, I could really, um, this would be a great place to really practice um, data protection privacy. And so here, here I am. Here you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you've been doing this for over 14 years and I, and I don't know if all of our listeners are aware, but it's not just that you've been doing it for 14 years. This is a pivotal 14 year period in the tech space. I mean, if you were to have said this 30 years ago, I would be like, okay, what does that mean? That nothing. But saying that at this time, looking back from today to 14 years ago and the amount of change that has come in when it comes to privacy, 
privacy and e-discovery is just insane and tech in general. Um, with that being said, one of the big reasons we wanted to bring you on today is based on your background, we think you are the exact person to talk to us about privacy by design. And I think a lot of people listening are probably wondering, what does that even mean? Uh, why should I even care? So can you tell us, you know, what is privacy by design? Why should people care? And what, what does that look like? Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. And you're totally right. I think that especially in today's day where um, even privacy compliance has is now turning so much more in, into the technology space. Um, and I think the concept, the, the actual concept of privacy by design is is not really a new concept. So it's actually over 20 years old. Um, it was the brainchild of Dr. Anne Kevorkian, um, the former uh, Information and Privacy Commissioner in Canada. Um, and she came up with this concept um, of uh, basically baking in data protection principles at the beginning of all processing of personal data and all, um, and all uses of personal data. So looking at it more proactively rather than reactively. So not at a point where data is going to be transferred or you're about to use it, um, but at the forefront before, to anticipate possible misuse or non-protection of that data um, right from the beginning of those processes. And that's really the idea behind privacy by design. Uh, that's so interesting because I think, you know, we've we've talked to a lot of data privacy people so far and a lot of the conversation has been around um, sort of like a rush of uh, data sharing in the beginning of, of things like Facebook or, um, you know, when the internet was really coming about and there's sort of like a back end uh, trying to fix that. So, you know, trying to be more private and implement more privacy tools kind of on the back end. But this is very interesting to me because it's like tacking, you know, tackling it at the front end. And so can you just like spell out for us how exactly that's implemented and some of the, um, you know, some of the benefits to kind of, as, as you would say, uh, design your privacy uh, from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I would say that at this point also that um, there are, so this, so while this concept is um, not a new concept, I, I think it's not gotten as much um, talk time, let's say. So companies haven't been focused on this particular topic as long as they've been focused on other uh, regulatory requirements. And uh, I find that interesting because it is, the, so there's seven core principles of privacy by design. And a lot of those core principles have been adopted by NIST. It's, they've been adopted by the FTC as de facto best practices. Um, and we're talking about it, or my practice focuses on it because it is now a legal requirement. So under the GDPR, under Article 25. And under the GDPR, this is called data protection by design and default. And so this is, I would also say a provision that would also be important um, for companies who may not even be subject to the GDPR and maybe not subject to any FTC regulations, etc. I'm looking at you like California under the Virginia or Colorado um, data privacy laws. Um, there's no specific provision for privacy by design. However, the concepts that underlie privacy by design, like the, the questions you're asking, Gabby, so how does someone become compliant with this? How does someone actually implement this within their organization? Um, 
the elements of that um, are do exist across all these data privacy laws. So if your data privacy law that you're subject to talks about the concept of accountability, talks about data minimization, data limitation, if there's a limit to data transfer, if you're talking about um, if you're talking about a, a ban on um, automatic data processing, then I think that uh, these are concepts that are all underlying the principles of privacy by design. So this applies to you whether you know it or not. And I think you're totally right that I think organizations are getting to the point, at least the ones we work with here in Europe, are getting to the point where they're thinking about it without knowing that they're thinking about it. You know, so when we usually get engaged on 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 um, privacy compliance um, projects, uh, at the beginning, at least of GDPR compliance, the question was always, okay, do we have our policies in place? Do we have a semblance of a record of processing activity? So some of these um, basic other articles that uh, are required under the general um, data protection regulation and Article 25 is not something that people immediately hone in on and say, what can we do to comply with this particular requirement of privacy by design? Um, but I think there's a shift now within organizations to focus on this because they also realize that these quick fixes, these coming from the back end to make sure the transfer is not taking place, to make sure um, that they do have the proper technical and organizational measures in place, the, the right type of encryption. It's not so easy to do from the back end. So the, the thinking has to be, how do we accomplish this um, in a forward uh, thinking way? How do we accomplish this proactively? And this is really the concept that underlies what privacy or data protection by design is asking for. It's looking at all of your processing and seeing um, how can I embed the concept of uh, data protection at the forefront of all these processes. So this is an activity that actually impacts various stakeholders within an organization. So if you are senior management, then you are also responsible for a part of privacy by design because you um, set the tone for the culture of privacy awareness. So you want to make sure that you develop all your policies and procedures with data protection in mind. I mean, this is a proactive way to uh, manage your privacy program. Um, of course, if you design systems or products or services. Um, so if you're a software engineer or a software architect or an application developer, somebody like this, then you want to make sure that whatever tool you're developing um, considers if you're going to be processing personal data and how that personal data is being treated in your application. And so it impacts also organizations who um, work with vendors or work with third parties or suppliers. So there is an obligation where the people that you work with, any, any third party that you're going to be transferring your data to who are going to be processing personal data also guarantees the right level of data protection. And so as an organization, you, you can also um, implement the concept of privacy by design by ensuring that your vendor management system is properly structured um, so that you're only working with suppliers and third parties who guarantee that level of protection. So there are lots of different aspects of, I think, an organizational business process where you can already be doing data protection by design and default. Yeah. So, Jenny, while you were discussing this and even some of the things you said earlier where you were talking about your playbook um, and I I always want to use American football. It's like football season is back. But for the sake of, you know, the global sport here, we'll use, you know, football or soccer, as some say, and we'll discuss it. 
Yeah, the real football. And we'll discuss it with terms of that. So when a coach is coming out and they're saying to their team, okay, we have our playbook. Here's how we're going to strategize. Here's how we're going to win the game. You're kind of saying, this is your playbook. You're saying, hey, you know, here's Article 25. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to be protected. Here's how we're going to define everything and kind of laying it out in, in these terms. And it made me kind of think, you know, when you're looking at the soccer component of it or the real football component of it you have the coach you have the assistant coach you have the players and then you have the fans there's tons of people involved if a fan jumps in in the middle of the game you're putting people at risk you're probably getting arrested you're you're breaking some laws there and i think in the terms of data privacy it's very similar and you have all these different players and they kind of work hand in hand how does that work in a company when you're who are the players in something like this? Is it just the head up in the organization? Is it the new employee when they come in? Is there something that can be filled out to immediately protect in case they leave and they say, oh, DSAR, give me all my data back or anything that can be done or, or like, you know, what? what's the team look like in something like this? What a good, can I just, what a great analogy. Can I just jump in super fast? <laughs> I just want to note for the record for everyone listening out there, this is the first time I've heard Laura talk about sports. <laughs> so <laughs> this I was so excited to see where this was going. But well done, Laura. Well done. Thanks. Thanks. Tied it all in. Tied it all in. No, I thought it I thought it was great. What a great analogy. I was I was smiling through the entire thing as well. Um, I think, so I think you've touched on um, so many concepts here in in that analogy. And one is um, how complex that is, right? I I think so within an organization, just like all the the different um, people involved in in the game that you're talking about, there are so many different aspects. I think this is why people don't tackle this particular GDPR requirement right from the beginning, because the question is always how do I do that? Like, what what am I supposed to do here exactly? This is this is this sounds great theoretically, but in practice, what is it that I need to do? And I think that um, it requires unpacking. So it requires looking at uh, each individual organization and seeing what business do you do, how many parties are involved. Our question is always um, what personal data do you work with? So I will say this overarching my my main take home message will be you should know what personal data you're working with. This is the biggest challenge, of course, um, for every and any organization of any and every size, because um, this is not something that people have routinely always looked at um, and looked for. And so this is the big challenge. Um, But I think in your, to your analogy, everybody is involved. If you are going to be touching on personal data, then you're processing that data, at least according to the GDPR. And if you are touching on Uh, opening a file, if you are reading it, that's accessing it, that's considered processing, then this involves you. So you are a party who would be subject to a risk analysis. And this is why one of the main things that an organization can do to comply is to have a um, privacy impact assessment framework. So to think about how are they, and what that means is that that this this type of framework or questionnaire or risk assessment really puts every processing type or every time you're processing personal data within an organization um, through a series of questions that helps you identify where the risks exist. 
So is somebody going to be transferring it somewhere unknowingly? Is there going to be some AI that's going to be processing that data um, within this processing uh, workflow? So it allows you to do that risk assessment. And then you have transparency on what the risk actually is, whether it, it can be mitigated by any, any controls. And so there should be uh, technical and organizational controls within, within a company that, um, that serves to mitigate these types of risks. And if you cannot mitigate all of those risks, then in the end, it should um, at least show you how, uh, whether that's a tolerable risk for the organization. So this helps you identify what parties are involved, what's being done with the data, um, and, and the risk level of that particular activity. So I wanted to um, talk a little bit about some of the criticisms of privacy by design. Um, I think the main one, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, the main one is that some of the the principles are a little vague. Um, so this is from this is from a 2017 blog by Steve Wilson in the Constellation Research website. Um, so he says privacy by design is a well-meaning effort, and yet its language comes from a culture quite different from engineering, privacy by design's maxims, rework classic privacy principles without providing much that's tangible to working systems designers. Do you think those criticisms still hold up? And I think you kind of addressed some of them too, like uh, in our previous questions, but do you think those criticisms still hold up today? And what would you say to, to respond? I think that, uh, and, and I did mention this earlier, I think they're valid from, from the viewpoint of the, the purpose. So uh, privacy by design, when it, came, when it began, um, was theoretical, right? It, it serves as a concept. It wasn't trying to give specific uh, line item by line item implementation guidances. And there is no right way or wrong way to do it. And I think this is why, um, this is sort of the basis of that criticism. And I can understand why it's challenging. So fully acknowledge that this type of requirement is, is challenging um, for an organization to comply with because you don't read it and automatically know what you're supposed to do. And, I, you know, one of the big reasons why it's not the first thing people want to tackle. But I think it is, and it's an important concept, especially for technology companies, um, the financial industry, companies that are um, handling a lot of personal data and a lot of sensitive personal data because uh, you can't achieve full compliance unless you are tackling uh, data protection at the beginning of your processes. It's, it's really not possible because you will always be running after what possible non-complying activity you're taking part in. And I think this is, this is really the challenge. And this is really the fear of companies who handle a lot of especially um, sensitive personal data is how will I know if I am misusing the data, if, I am, if I'm suffering from um, data loss? How would I know that? I always have to come up with... Um, technologies or, or some kind of way to capture it at the end. If I have a breach, I have to go back and identify where is all the personal data that, that might have been compromised within this breach. And that's ideally not the way to talk about that, right? Not the way to look at it. So yes, this is, I think it, currently um, the activities that a lot of organizations are taking, and that's not by choice, it's just by consequence. Um, but I think that going forward, knowing that there are more privacy regulations popping up globally every day, I think that we are unified by this requirement now 
to have some type of data protection or privacy compliance. This is going to be, I think, uh, a, a universal requirement soon. And even though privacy by design, I mean, whether it's a vague or um, whether it's, uh, its principles should be adhered to as it's been purported in the seven you know, basic principles, I don't think that's the question. I think the question is, um, this is an important topic, and most organizations will be subject to some type of compliance with a privacy law or regulation. And it's important to really assess how do we achieve that compliance or how, how can that really be done practically over a long period of time going into the future and not looking at, okay, I, I have this, I have this regulation now, quick, 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 how do I get, how do I comply with it um, using the old processes that I had in place within the organization? Because I think making these changes and looking at it from uh, from the idea of what privacy by design or data protection by design and default um, asks of organizations, I think this will lead to better compliance uh, into the future. So you make a lot of really good points and it makes me think of something that, you know, I'll just share something a little personal. Um, I don't know if you know this, Jenny, but I am actually a self-proclaimed relationship guru. And when it comes to to love, it's very similar to the things you're saying, because, you know, in a relationship, whether, you know, it's friendship or other, you the have analogies two, today. Yeah, analogies yeah. are just <laughs> off the chart. It's just a thing. You have two really important things that you have to say when it comes to a relationship. And it usually comes down to bordering this line between trust and privacy. You need to trust your partner and allow them to have their own, you, you know, I don't think any relationship succeeds when people go through their partner's phone because they don't trust them and they're violating their privacy. Like, you know, I, I need to have some secrets and you need to trust me to know that these secrets are not hurting you. And so it's always kind of bordering trust and pro privacy and everything you're talking about brings me to to that. Can you kind of tell us about the importance of trust and privacy in this specific issue? I think I think trust and privacy. Uh, by the way, another amazing analogy there. <laughs> I I think uh, this is it's really one of the best lenses to look at privacy in general, right? I think that uh, businesses want to comply to regulations or must comply with regulations um, that come out, especially in this space. Um, but that it's it's ultimately so important um, for organizations to have that trusting relationship with their consumers, with their data subjects, however you want to describe that. And I think I think that um, having uh, committing to, let's say, making organizational changes or committing to um, looking at data protection in, in a very different way where you're putting uh, the consumer data, data subjects' um, primary interest um, at the forefront. I, I mean, there's no better way, right, to show that um, you can have trust in that, in that company. And so um, it's definitely a, a beneficial way to do business, um, especially in a culture where uh, people are very critical these days, right, of um, how how companies yeah. are treating personal data. And I mean, I don't think the, the problems or the fines um, stop. I think it, just earlier this year, there were two really large fines, probably two of the biggest fines. So in July, there was a fine against Amazon 
um, where they were they had their advertising targeting system that was carried out without proper consent, right? And this was issued by um, the Luxembourg National um, Commission for Data Protection. And so this was worth the fine was um, seven hundred and forty six million euros. And today, that is the largest GDPR fine. Um, so there, there are lots of, um, you know, penalties for companies who, who don't comply with required um, data protection regulations. And I don't see that stopping in the near future. Jenny, uh, like love, it's expensive. You know, you look at data and if you don't do it properly, it's expensive. Same with your relationship. Anyone listening right now, remember these words, you know, use your data and your love responsibly. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you something, and, and I tend to ask this question to a lot of data privacy people, and and I think it's an important question. And I think we'll go back to kind of soccer for a second here. You know, when you're when you're coaching your or football, sorry, I don't know what to call it right now. Either way, when you're coaching your sports team and you're out there, anything can go wrong on the field. So you go in and say, how's the best we're going to win this game? You know, you want to be a good coach. You want your team to work together. You're all trusting each other to to follow the plan, but to also be able to improvise when needed and score the goals, win the game or tie if you have to, but just, you know, don't lose team, don't lose. And that's really the goal out there. But again, if a fan runs in the field, no one can predict that and you have to know how to swerve around them and not injure anyone or whatever may happen. So scary things can happen. So with that said, Jenny, can you scare us? Can you tell us something just just scary when you're saying privacy by design, the scariest thing that could happen today, you know, and then maybe finish that sentence. <laughs> wow, that's a really that's a really good question. I think um, I mean, I guess the question is, if you don't if you don't engage in the concept of privacy by design, if you don't look at your privacy program through that lens, what's the worst thing that can happen? Um, I think this is a good good plug later for a colleague of mine who's also speaking with you guys on the topic of um, AI regulation. Right. This is also right now the hottest topic is artificial intelligence and the new proposed um, European Union uh, regulation on that. Um, first of all, high time, something like this comes out, but what a complex topic that is. And um, let's see what the final version of that regulation looks like. But I would have to say the scariest thing would involve the way we're using artificial intelligence today. Um, there's not a lot of transparency on the algorithms that underlie our, uh, AI. Um, a lot of AI models right now uh, and mo modeling algorithms um, use personal data um, because of the way that companies want to benefit from, from a lot of these algorithms. And uh, a privacy by design or data protection by design and default would not exclude um, how a company analyzes their AI technologies. So if you're an organization that is using AI um, or storing data in a data lake for the potential uh, for potential modeling purposes, then you're required also to look at how that data is being used. Um, and for what purposes and whether there are uh, inappropriate access to that data or transfer. Um, it's looking at those data protection uh, goals right from the beginning of designing some of these systems. So I think we know that the potential um, negative consequences or repercussions from AI going bad are used inappropriately. And I think for me, this, this would be the biggest um, consequence, at least in our future. 
for not for looking at privacy or data protection uh, retroactively rather than proactively. Well, well, I'm scared. I don't know about you, Laura. Did that do the trick? <laughs> I was scared before Jenny even came on. <laughs> I was already scared. Really and then scared I started to you. really, I was like, let's get our playbook out. Let's <laughs> let's get ready. And now the I'm kind of like, uh... sports analogies I've ever heard out of Laura is <laughs> from this one episode. Um, well, Jenny, I have actually um, a question for you about maybe just getting a little bit more into the specifics of some of these companies um, implementing some new privacy controls. So um, at least here in the U.S., um, Google kind of, um, and this was announced back in May, uh, announced a slew of new privacy controls that are designed to give people more power over their personal data. Um, So things like uh, being able to delete the last 15 minutes of their search history and, you know, reminders about location tracking. We've also seen like uh, Apple and Android implementing some new controls uh, through their apps. So, you know, if people are using apps, they'll get asked um, if they, if they want that particular app to track, to track them. Um, And I, you know, speaking personally, I always opt for no. And I, and I appreciate that I'm being asked that, you know, and I didn't really realize before these new controls and before talking more about data privacy, that that was actually happening. So what is your take on what these companies are kind of implementing? Is it kind of too little too late or a step in the right direction? What, what do you think? I definitely think it's a step in the right direction. I, I think, um, I think a few years ago, there wasn't even, there wasn't, nobody gave thought to allowing consumers or data subjects to have have more control over their data. And this is um, a primary, let's say, privacy goal specific to what what we mean when we say privacy is to allow the the person to have more control over their data. So, um, I mean, a little too too little too late. It's hard to say. A lot of this is driven by uh, compliance requirements, regulatory requirements of uh, or the pressure of um, doing business, let's say. People want to, companies like this want to keep um, their users. And so, I, but I think it's a step in the right direction. I think the more control we have, the more say we have on what happens to our data, um, the better. I agree with that. Um, so I'm actually going to ask you one more question and then we will let you go on with the rest of your day because we could keep this going forever. We're, we're really into it. So uh, we'll, we'll try not to take up too much more of your time. But just as a last question from you, um, and we typically like to ask about trends, but I think sometimes we want to shift. And with you, I want to shift a little bit and instead ask you if there's any tips for our listeners out there, or anything with our audience that you can say that that you would advise or or tell them whether it's something that they should be aware of whether it's something they can do differently or just you know something that sorry you're in trouble you'll lose every game because of this any any tips for our listeners um this is the moment help them please (laughs) um i i think it's I think it's looking at the game a little bit differently. So 
the more I do this, the more I realize the most important thing isn't isn't even privacy specifically, right? But it's more data lifecycle management, you know, or information governance. I mean, this this is now going into maybe also aligned with an e-discovery topic. Um, but ultimately, you can't do any of this if you don't know what data you have. You don't know where you have that data. You don't know how that data is being protected or if it's being protected. Um, and so you cannot predict how it can be misused. And I think this is uh, within an organization. I think if you look at it through that lens, um, then privacy is a consequence of having a good data lifecycle management program. And if you are doing that right, then it should be easy to implement the other requirements and, and, to, and to reach that compliance. Well, Jenny, this has been such an amazing conversation, and we want to thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Great speaking with you. Jenny Lee, Senior Manager at EY, where we dove into privacy by design. What are your tech takeaways? I think my biggest uh, takeaway is that privacy by design is something that companies can do at the forefront uh, rather than trying to tackle uh, something from the back end, which is I think what a lot of companies are already doing. Um, but to me, it seems like this is just much more giving the power to users. It's giving uh, more trust back to users with their the relationship between the users and these tech companies that really just have all our data in, in, in their hands. Um, so I think that it's, you know, I think it's a, it's a good thing. And some of the things that we're seeing from Google, from Apple, trying to implement some of these, you know, at least like Jenny said, a step in the right direction um, yep. is, is promising. Yeah, I would agree. I also think it, it made me think about how organized people need to be. And I and I know that sounds like a weird segue of like, what do you mean organized? But but it is true because when it comes to data and all these things, you have to, as Jenny mentioned, and, and a lot of people we've talked to have said the same kind of thing. It's knowing what data you have, knowing where your data is. And when you're implementing a strategy playbook or you're trying to get these things in place, you have to actually be aware and you have to be thinking about these things. And so if you're kind of a chaotic person, you know, like you're like the person who's like, oh, what's my password to my computer? And I'm like, you log in every day. How do you not know your password? But they're just doing okay, a million. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Gabby. No, no. Uh, pointing fingers, but it's you. Always forget my password. <laughs> but yeah, it's like things like that when you're doing a million things, this is kind of adding to that. You have to like be organized in the structure or it's so easy to be like, uh-oh, who did I just share my data with? Oh, did I just do that wrong? And uh, I think that's kind of something to to really consider as well. But but I think it's really, it's interesting. And I think we're, we're going to have to build our own privacy by design tech pod playbook. And so we if are. anybody is interested in seeing our playbook, let us know and we will put it together immediately. Immediately. And Laura will give you so many sports analogies. I'll coach um, you through it in all the ways. She'll be the coach. You'll win she every game. 
be the linebacker. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think she'll be the linebacker. I will get out there. I will play for the team. I will coach the team, and I will support <laughs> the team in every way necessary. I just want to. Um, I just want to yeah. reiterate. I know that no one can see us, but the entire time when Laura started talking about sports, I was like, where is this going? Because I literally, this is literally the first time I've heard you mention a sport. It's necessary. Which, as soon as she said playbook, I was like, that makes it clear. Like, and I, sports. Got it. I yeah, got but it. I but I think it is helpful. I mean, in a lot of our episodes, we're breaking this down and there's so many people listening to us in different areas. So if somebody is listening to us that loves data privacy, they're like, yes, I get it. Or, you know, cybersecurity, they may be thinking this, but we have audience of people that are listening to our show that may not know what everyone is talking about. I mean, I don't know everything everyone's talking about and i know you know you usually do gabby or the leader but not, obviously not yeah obviously but not everybody knows and so i do think it's helpful to kind of break that down but more importantly to the listeners that are hearing us and they can't see what i'm seeing this entire episode we are in our homes right now and gabby has been wearing sunglasses on her head the entire time like it is not sunny indoors i wear them mostly as a headband <laughs> So if we're going to call anybody right. out, our listeners should know that she is wearing sunglasses it's indoors sunny in my right now. All right. Anyway, so speaking <laughs> of odd, there's that. Anyway, for everybody else listening, regardless of when you wear your sunglasses or how you protect your privacy or what playbook you have or don't have or should have and how organized you are, she's currently wearing them on her face. The sunglasses are not on her head anymore. I just want everyone to know that. With that being said, if you have questions, if you want to talk to us, if you are interested in sponsoring us, being on our show, nominating someone to be on our show, requesting a topic, or you just want to ping us, we'd love to hear from you please reach out to us at contact at thattechpod.com check us out on our website www.thattechpod.com go to our linkedin at linkedin slash thattechpod or check out our twitter um, and maybe hop on and start tweeting for us we are not that good at it at thattechpod yeah at thattechpod yeah any social media interns that want to work for us please let us know we need it um but you know what can also help us out if you just go to apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast and just give us a five-star rating or review we'd certainly appreciate it we would be your friends forever well, it depends on the review. I'm not going to commit to a I lifetime guess we'll with see. you. That's true. We'll see. We'll see. At least for 27 days. Sure. All right. All you sports fans, see you next time on that tech pod. See you on Tuesday.